You're listening to the Eastside Church Sermon Podcast Series. We are a United Methodist congregation in East Atlanta Village. We seek to be creative, historic, inclusive, and justice-oriented. We are thrilled that you found our podcast, and if you'd like to learn more about our community, visit our website at eastsideatl.org. helps it work better. Good morning again, Eastside family. So as we rest in this moment, as we think about the different ways that, that, that we give, I even ask as we, the same way before, um, and I'm not assuming that we don't, but I just want to encourage this. The same way we say our offering prayer before we give our, our offering, Anytime we maybe bring something to the pantry, let's make sure we take those moments to pray for the divine connection that our justice ministry facilitates within our community. I mean, if we're if we're stocking, if we're ever, if we're stocking the pantry, if we're bringing something, bringing items of clothing, bringing food, just always take that moment to pray that that item ends up in the hands of the right person or that there are conversations that break out because of those divine exchanges. You know, we want to treat those moments not as transactional exchanges, but as transformational moments. And so in that spirit of God moving in ways that only God can move, We walk into our text this morning. As we walk into it, I I hope we walk with a spirit of expectation. We see the words that come from John, the fourth chapter, verses five through 10. And we see the title, Knowing the Gift of God. Let us hear these words. He came to a Samaritan city called Sikar, which was near the land Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Jesus was tired from his journey, so he sat down at the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman had come to the well to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me some water to drink. His disciples had gone into the city to buy him some food. The Samaritan woman asked, why do you, a Jewish man, ask for something from me, a Samaritan woman? Jews and Samaritans didn't associate with each other. Jesus responded, If you recognize God's gift and who is saying to you, give me some water to drink, you would be asking him and he would give you living water. He would give you living water. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Family, pray with me this morning as we wrestle with the idea of knowing the gift of God. 
Lord God, thank you for the ways that you've already moved today. Thank you that it is your spirit calling us into this sanctuary, our well, this morning. Thank you for the ways that you have moved through every note that has been sung and played. And thank you, Lord God, for how you continue to speak to us. Speak now, Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise for our music team? <laughs> Hallelujah. As they take their seats and we think about the way that they interconnect with our AV team and the way that our AV team helps pull things together and we think about the ways right now our kids collective is is pulling things together as we simply think about the fact that the Holy Spirit has drawn and pulled us together. I ask that we let every movement, every moment, just serve as reminders that it's God doing all of this. It is God calling forth the moments it is God stepping in sometimes in ways which we have prayed for and sometimes in ways that totally surprise us. And as we enter into this text, I ask us to try to place our minds, our hearts into that moment of divine encounter. When this woman at the well encounters Jesus, and when Jesus encounters this woman at the well. I mean, our text kind of jumps us in right there to show us that there's some conflict already built into this. Or there's some, or, 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 or we, we've, the stage has already been set for an interesting exchange. Uh, I love that, that verse where it says, she said to him, how is it that you being a Jew asked me for a drink since I am a Samaritan woman? And then in parentheses, if you read the text, it says, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Very interesting that these two groups of people, that their dealings were, 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 were fractured and contentious at best. These two people, these two ethnic groups of people, we have our Jews, we have our Samaritans. Though they were part of different strands of the same family tree, they were culturally and spiritually over the centuries had evolved into a relationship where we could essentially say that they centered on their differences in significant enough ways that they really saw one another as other. These two groups of people, we, we hear, we know in the text, we know from history that the common thread that they shared was part of that Abrahamic tree. We always hear these Old Testament references of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And that, that Jacob space is where they shared this common ancestry, this, this common strand, this, this common connection that had become a common sense of delineation for them citizens of Judea had spent centuries walling Samaritans out of their society with laws and mistreatment 
And then we have the rabble rouser named Jesus who comes in to rabble and rouse. <laughs> comes in to, to, to stir things up in a way where maybe things might be seen differently after all of the encounters he kept having with all of the different people whom he had encounters with. Jesus in this moment, throwing custom and decorum aside, to engage maybe in a moment of divine intervention, to engage maybe in a moment of divine connection, to engage in a moment of interruption that will become a story that we still learn from thousands of years later because the custom was that Jews and Samaritans were not to interact in ways that evoked, in, that evoked connections where intimacy won out over enmity. They were not to interact in ways where connection won out over condemnation. The, the custom had been that they would not interact in ways where there was divine connection, but there was chasm. There was a chasm between the communities that was simply thought of as a separation that is just going to remain separation. We're not connected and we'll never be connected. But Jesus saw the chasm as an open space of possibilities where grace might fill the gaps. Jesus saw the chasm as an opportunity for mercy to begin stitching souls together. Jesus saw the chasm as an opportunity where the gifts of the Holy Spirit's presence, those living waters, which are referred to in this text, could write new stories of compassion and healing and belonging that were so filled with the gift of knowing God or conversely knowing the gift of God through grace the people who experienced this gift would run and tell the story. You see, we hear this story of the woman at the well who's described as a Samaritan. But when we pair this story of the woman at the well with the story of the good Samaritan, I think we have an interesting theme that's unfolding here. The woman at the well, Samaritan, the good Samaritan. So we have in this story of Jesus encountering the woman at the well, this story that we eventually see as Jesus embodying compassion and connection and healing and hope. But then when we take the story of the good Samaritan, we see Jesus telling the story of the Samaritan embodying compassion and healing and hope. We have these two different stories of people encountering one another as other and grace is moving. The rivers of living water saying that there's a work that I can do that is 
maybe even beyond your human conception. That there's a work that the Spirit of the Lord, that the Spirit of the Lord, the rivers of living water that stir up in our souls, that there is a way that, that, the, that those living waters can, can do the kind of cleansing that was sung about earlier that can do the kind of renewal that was, that was sung about earlier, that can water the soil of our mind, our soul, and our spirits in ways where what looks like barrenness becomes not only growth, but abundance. This encounter between Jesus and the Samaritan woman at the well serves as an archetype for all who thirst to know what it means to experience the gift of grace. I challenge all of us not to simply see this encounter with this child of God at the well in a way where we caricature her. She serves as an archetype for us. This child of God, this, this human being serves as an archetype for us and our encounters with the spirit of the Lord serves as an archetype for the way that the Spirit of God moves to make sure that we not only know God, but to make sure that we understand that God knows us. To make sure that we understand that just as we talked last week about the grace that goes before us to lead to moments that that, that, that birth transformation, there is, a, there is an experience of grace that we have that becomes that transformation. There is a, there is a, 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 to use our Wesleyan terminology, there is a experience of justifying grace that we have where God looks at us face to face, eye to eye, heart to heart, mind to mind, soul to soul, and says that my love for you is so far beyond your comprehension that anything that you think separates you from me My love is stronger than that. My love for you transcends that. God says my, my, my love for you comes in in moments where you're just doing what you're doing, going about your daily business, just like this child of God was going to the well to gather water in the midst of you in your daily walk I desire to show up and show you that you are indeed loved, and that you 
are a child of God. God comes into these moments and sort of interrupts the norm. Professor at Candler School of Theology, Gregory Ellison, talks about an, an interrupting hope. An interrupting hope that comes in in these particular moments in these particular moments in time where we're just going about what we're going about and then hope breaks in. Hope breaks in and begins to paint a new picture of what reality can be for us. Hope breaks in and with strokes of grace and compassion and mercy begins to show us that even though sometimes we are focusing on the downpour, hope is trying to remain, remind us that just after the downpour will come the light of the sun. And see, and I love the, the, the metaphor that nature itself gives to us to remind us of of, of how God's grace is moving in the midst of that interrupting hope. Because see, as the rain is nourishing the soil with the nutrients that are needed for vegetation to grow, the rain then exchanges places with the sun so that the sun can come in and the sun's light can shine in and, and begin to, to stir up those elements of those elements of photosynthesis that take place in the plants that are growing from the soil, so that there can be that flourishing. The water, the living waters and the light working together that we might experience grace moment by moment by moment, that we might not only have the interrupting hope as a concept in our mind, but see the interrupting hope unfolding around us in real time, moment by moment, minute by minute. This encounter serves as an archetype of what happens when God breaks in amidst moments that we would call mundane. But there's something amazing that I love that happened in the midst of that response. So the woman at the well has this encounter with Jesus. Jesus speaks to her in different ways prophetically about her journey, her life, and begins to speak of what life can be. She recognizes the divine encounter, but she decides not to keep it to herself. Now, it's interesting. I want to make sure 
that give proper attribution. Because I had an interesting thing happen on Thursday. I was at a conference in Orlando with about 40 North Georgia pastors. And the pastor who was giving the closing remarks was preaching on this text that I'm walking through now. And the whole time, and I'm going to tell you, the, the sermon was really, really good. And so what I was trying to do as I'm taking notes, it's like, okay, wait a minute. That is his sermon. <laughs> I'm preaching that same text on Sunday. <laughs> I, can't lie, I can't let his sermon over-influence my sermon. So as I was walking through this, I was trying to say, okay, Lord, Albert Tate said that, not Tavares Stevens. But I have to give an attribution to Albert Tate right now because he said something that was so powerful. All right, so we have the disciples, and now I'm quoting Albert Tatum. This is Albert Tate's take now, okay? So he talked about how the disciples had gone into town, and part of their going into town was to run and tell the story of what Jesus has done. And now remember, the disciples spent a whole lot of time with the Lord, right? whole lot of time with the Lord. And so he wanted to make a point about letting our familiarity stoke a fire and not let our familiarity just make us too comfortable. Right? He says, okay, the disciples went into town with all of these encounters with Jesus and when they came back from town, it was just the disciples coming back. This woman in this text had one encounter with Jesus that filled her with such fire that when she went to town to tell people about it, guess how many people came back? Yeah, it's, it's what you think it is, Trey. The whole town came back. So his point was, is if we're spending all that time in the presence of the Lord, how are we running to tell the story so that others might be fired up by that encounter and want to have their own authentic encounter? Because the text tells us that once the people came back and had their own encounter, they, say, they, they essentially said, oh my God, what you told us brought us here, and now I'm paraphrasing the text, but now we have our own story. We initially started to believe kind of because you were believing, but now we believe because we've seen, we've had our encounter. So here's the question I pose to us. How are our encounters stirring up encounters for others? Here's another question I pose. How are our encounters preparing us for encounters with others. So this is where I'll land this plane about knowing the gift of God. So sometimes, family, knowing the gift of God does mean that we will have concrete answers about things we've been praying about and 
ways that the Spirit of God is moving in our lives, ways that God is calling us to show up. Sometimes we have very concrete answers, right? Other times we really don't. It is like this work of art that we've seen over here evolving where the work of art, it places us in a place of beauty, but then it just leaves us maybe with awe, maybe with more questions, maybe with more wondering about, okay, God, I know this is a beautiful moment. I still don't know where you're taking me, but thank you, God, for this beautiful moment, and I give you praise for that. And so I want to share a story with a beautiful moment that I have no idea what this beautiful moment means at this time in terms of my personal testimony. And I almost was not going to share this this morning, but the living waters keep saying, no, share it, even though you don't have a true landing point. So the landing point is the story itself. So while Albert Tate was preaching that message on this text that I'm sharing with you this morning, I was just praying about a bunch of things. Just trying to hear God say, Lord, okay, Lord, speak to me regarding this. Lord, I just, you know, thinking about my journey, my family's journey, our church's journey, thinking about things that different people are going through in the midst of this ministry, thinking about just, like, God, just speak to me. So following that, there were intercessors who were praying for people, afterward and I was like you know what I'm asking God so there are people praying and the spirit is moving so let me go and just have someone pray with me and for me so did that after the service was over I didn't even want to leave the sanctuary I just sat because I just felt I just felt God's presence in the room I just I just sat I wasn't trying to talk to anybody I'm just sitting like okay Lord I'll get up when you say get up so finally, the Lord says, get up. And maybe that also has something to do with the fact that I need to catch my Uber so I can go catch my plane. I didn't want to be late for my flight. So there's a practical part to that, too. So I get up, go outside of the church, have a conversation with someone whom I've been seeing, and it seems like every time I saw them, it was in a moment of consternation where these things that, you know, that I'm praying about were just welling up. So we strike up a conversation. Her name is Grace. She's a missionary from Kenya. And she felt that she was sent here to help people just connect with God more through prayer. So I'm like, okay, well, there's a theme unfolding here. And trust me, this plane's going to land in a place that I don't know if it's going to give you answers, but it's the story that I need to tell this morning. So we talked for about 10 minutes, and then get out my phone to call, you know, to reach out to Uber. So I see it says my driver would arrive in three minutes. So I'm like, okay, here we go. The Lord's painting a picture here. I look at the name of the driver, as we all do. I'm like, okay, am I reading this right? The driver's name was Tavares. Spelled his name just like I spelled my name. So I'm like, oh, that's kind of 
different. <laughs> so I'm looking, I'm like, okay, this is going to be an interesting conversation that's going to break out in the next three minutes. So Tavares pulls up and he says, oh my God. And that just even sounds weird saying that. <laughs> you know, Tavares pulls up and he says, oh my God, this is a great day. He's like, when I saw your name, I knew it was good. How often does this happen? <laughs> I was like, I don't know, but it's never happened to me, so I take it it's never happened to you either. He was like, you're exactly right. So we began talking, and he's like, yeah, he's like, I knew this was going to be a good day. He's like, the first person I picked up this morning spoke goodness over my life, and I just knew it was going to be good. And he's like, and now it just got better. Then he smiles. And I hear the ding go off in my head. I know this guy. And as he continues to talk, I said, you wouldn't happen to be a hip-hop artist, would you? He's like, yeah, I am. I was like, about three years ago, you lost somebody close to you, didn't you? He says, oh, my God, it's you. Three years ago this time, Tavares and I actually had an encounter. While surfing the internet, his name came up, and I was checking out some of his music. He was going through a crisis because he just lost his niece. And so on a whim, I was like, well, he's online now, so let me just send him a word of encouragement. <laughs> send him a word of encouragement. We had a brief exchange, not knowing that three years later, around the exact same time of our encounter, that after listening to Albert Tate, talking to Grace for 10 minutes, and pressing the Uber app at the time I pressed it, that Tavares would be three minutes away from where Tavares was standing. But it gets even deeper. He shows me, when our conversation comes to an end, the affirmation that had been spoken over him that morning. It was from a devotional book. I read the devotional. I mean, you can't even make this stuff up, right? I read the devotional. How about the devotional sounded very much like what had been prayed over me before I met him at the end of this service? Like, literally, what are the chances that Tavares, as he's getting ready to drive his Uber, is going to have words spoken over him that match up with the words spoken over Tavares, who he was going to meet four hours later. What are the chances that we would meet? What are the chances that the same words of life would be spoken over us? What are the chances that God's interrupting hope in his life would be the same interrupting hope that's touching my life. Now, on one 
can, you might say that's like a one in a million kind of thing. Maybe a one in a billion kind of thing. But all I know is that we are part of the testimony that billions of people are experiencing right now as they too have been touched by the love and grace of Jesus Christ, as they too have been touched by interrupting hope that has many of them doing what we are doing right now, that, that they too are being stirred up with rivers of living water and their souls reminding them, not only now, but those rivers of living water will remind them when they leave their sanctuaries, when they rise from their prayers, when they have encounters where they need to know that God is with them. as far-fetched and as unique as the testimony I share might be. What is universal is that God's love for us is trying to find us wherever we might be. Yeah, that's my story for this week. But I know you all have a story for this week. I'm, I'm in expectation that there's going to be other stories this week of these divine encounters at your wells. These divine encounters where you thought there was desert, but you find out that it is in fact a well where rivers of living water are going to stir and the presence of God is going to remind you that you are loved, that you are whole, and that you are redeemed. And the only thing I will challenge you is, at is this, that when it happens, don't hesitate to share the story. Don't hesitate to share the story so that someone else might know what it is to experience the gift of God. God bless you, family. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. Hi, everyone. If we don't know each other, my name is Bria. I use she, her pronouns. And I'm truly honored to be doing the prayers of the people this morning. I have never been this involved in a church before, so... <laughs> this is like kind of a wild experience. Um, before we get started into the prayer, I would love for us to do a meditation uh, to kind of center ourselves before we get into it. We'll do like a brief cycle of some deep breathing uh, where we'll breathe in through the nose, we'll hold it, and then we'll breathe out through the mouth. When you're breathing out, like picture yourself breathing out through a straw, basically. Um, and we'll just do a couple of cycles of that. And I'll count us the entire time so you don't have to worry about when. But we'll do three cycles of in, we'll hold it for three seconds, and then we'll also breathe it out for four seconds. Okay. So just breathe in through your nose. Two, three. Hold it. Two, three. And breathe out. Two, three, four. And again, in. Two, three. Hold it. Two, three and breathe out, two, three, four. And last time, just breathe in, two, three, hold it, two, three, 
and then breathe out, two, three, four. And just do one last very deep breath in and one huge exhale and just release any tension that might be in your body, anything going on in your mind. Okay, now we can get into our prayer. Throughout this, you might hear me say, Lord, in your mercy, and I invite you to respond with, hear our prayer. Lord, we pray for our church here at Eastside. We pray that you help us foster an environment that's truly inclusive and that pushes the limits of what we think uh, should be present in church. We pray that you move us towards freedom for all people and that you give us the ability to see each other fully in all of our identities and diversities, that we are able to hold each other in grief and that we're also able to love each other um, as we grow and deepen our understanding of you. We pray for our city, God. Specifically, I pray for the people who are currently protesting um, for the destruction of the Wilani Forest, God, and the creation of Cop City. Um, we know that that is a situation that is very volatile and that there are those who have already lost their lives, God. So we just pray for them and for their loved ones and for protection over them as they're trying to protect your creation. Lord, in our country, we pray for the liberation of black, brown, indigenous, and other people of color. We pray for the liberation of queer people, of trans people, and Lord, I specifically wanna pray for all of the trans and non-binary, gender fluid or gender queer kids who may be unsafe in their homes, in their cities and their schools, and also those who may come to be unsafe because of legislations that are being introduced and passed throughout our country um, that is like truly harmful for these children, your children. Lord, I pray that you reveal yourself to your church all throughout the world and that you give us the ability to truly be your hands and feet. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, I pray that you show up in some way, even in small ways, for all of the unseen people throughout the world, the world, God, people who are on streets, who are hiding from war, who are buried under rubble, God, for all of those people who we don't know, but who desperately need you. I pray that you show up for them. Lord, in your mercy. And Lord, I pray that we ever know you, that we deepen our understanding of who you are, what your love is, and how we are to love each other. Lord, in your mercy. Amen. And now I'd like to invite you into a time of silent uh, confession as we ponder on the things we ought to have done this week and did, and did not do and also on the things we not, ought not have done that we did.
Friends, hear the good news. Christ died for us when we were yet sinners, and that proves God's love for us. In the name of Christ, you are forgiven. And now I invite everyone into the passing of the peace by sharing signs of peace and greetings with each other. Peace be with you. Oh my goodness, the fake deadline. Yes, so that means get them in, get them in, get them in. Thank you, Katie and Nora, so much for leading that charge. And, and many thanks to everyone who this is making sure that, that there is vibrance uh, that is unfolding in our community. And so, Angie, we thank you and Adrian and Kaden for the work that you all are, the gift that you all are pouring into us today. As you all saw, thank you. And so we also want to give thanks to, to Abby Norman, who is also working, weaving some things together that we're going to see um, as we move through this Lenten season, like a full compilation related to how the Spirit of God moves through all of the arts. Uh, and she's sitting there in the back. She's constantly, she's, nav she's navigating. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise in advance? Hallelujah. And so in that spirit, let us stand and as we prepare to go out and experience the last few resonances of this liquid sunshine today. Let us know that God is shining brightly in our hearts and minds. Uh, for those who feel compelled to join us Wednesday at 7 over these next four weeks, look forward to seeing you here Wednesday at 7 as we just continue navigating through Lent in different kinds of ways. And so let us lift holy hands. As we lift our hands, Lord God, we lift our hearts to you, receiving your living waters into our hearts, our minds, our souls. As we go forth this week, just remind us that you are indeed an interrupting hope that breaks in in moments that we just look at as mundane, but you show us that it's a miraculous move of grace. So have your way in those encounters. Let love and light shine through our lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Let's go in love and go in peace, man. that you've enjoyed this week's message and we look forward to connecting with you soon. If you'd like to experience our full church services, you can find them at youtube.com slash eastsidechurchatl. And if you'd like to support the work we're doing here at Eastside, you can find our giving portal at our website, eastsideatl.org. Be well.